Welcome to an emergency episode of Conduct Detrimental, or should I say it's really an emergency edition of the NIL Hour. Guys, thank you for allowing me to to be on your show. This is amazing. Hey, well, Dan, uh, we've missed you. Yeah, we definitely like the banter between the three of us here, but Taryn and I have taken it and run, and, and uh, Holly's been a great addition for us. I'm happy to be here, and we're here, unless you're living under a rock. Very special news in the NCAA world. NCAA has issued a six-point memo. I guess this was sent to some of the schools ahead of time, and then it's funny, Ross Dellinger, he's usually pretty good on this. He says, like, in a, in a memo obtained by the NCAA, they say one, two, three, and four. So we're really, we're going to, you know, uh, I'm sure you guys are going to flesh this out. I know you have an episode planned for either later this week, next week, whatever you guys want to do. But we want to talk about the main point in this memo. It is question number six. We're going to talk about the specifics of it, but it's essentially this question of can the NCA, can their rules and regs, does that take priority over state law? We're going to talk about that specific question, but I have my thoughts, but this is the NIL hour. This is not my show. I'm on the other shows. Taryn, Mike, I want you guys to lay up. What are your overall thoughts on seeing this? And I, I have some thoughts. Yeah, it's a real kind of like stake in the ground where the NCAA is actively inviting battle with state legislators, with schools, with collectives, with public opinion, and I guess they're expecting to win. So I think that it is something that maybe in 10, 15 years, we look back on it, whatever the remains of the NCAA are, and we look at this as being kind of like a precursor. Because what the NCAA is doing today with this memo is challenging its member institutions saying, you know, these are rules that you've agreed to. And essentially, without so much saying it in this many words, if you don't like it, leave. And I think that that's the gauntlet that's been laid down here. Mike, before I, we get to you, let me just read the question. So there's there's five, six questions on this memo that they put out, and it's the it's like the NCAA does this every couple of months. They try to put memo, memo out to clarify the rules. And now just so everyone's keeping score at home, there have been a grand total of zero NIL violations for conduct that's occurred since July 1st. So we, we've been on this podcast. We said that the Charlie Baker era that started on March 1st, that that might be the start of the enforcement era. Because coincidentally, like a week before Charlie Baker took office, they had the Cavender punishment for some conduct that occurred in June of 2021. But not NIL punishment, not NIL punishment. We'll say it's like quasi it's in the vicinity. But we talked about when Baker took over. OK, this is it. This is the platform they're going to run on. No violation since Baker took over. So you can either read this memo as saying, OK, this is a new era. They're going to start enforcing it or or it's the same exact type of memo that we've gotten for the last year and a half and no enforcement has occurred. So this is the question, Mike, and then I'll give it to you. I have, I have again, I have some thoughts. Question number six, and people, I posted online, people can just do some quick Googling of NCA memo. Question number six, some current and proposed state laws appear to now prohibit the NCA from enforcing its rules. What is the NCA's position on its approach when an institution in one of those states violates NCA regulation? Answer, NCA rules are adopted by member schools. It is not fair to those schools who follow the rules to not enforce rules against those who choose not to do so. Schools who do not like the application of a particular rule should work through the NCA governance process to change the rule. Interesting. Unless and until the membership changes a particular rule, all schools as part of a voluntary membership are required. Mike, what do you think? Well, two things. Well, we said July 1st, 2021, when the Wild Wild West officially started, was that the NCAA was taking a hands-off approach and states that basically encouraged what the opposite of what they just said. It was 
a race to the bottom, essentially, of who was going to be the, the last state to pass an, and adopt an NIL bill because schools were unsure whether or not they were allowed to have their athletes, schools and athletes, unsure whether or not name image likeness was going to be allowed because the NCAA took a completely hands-off approach and they said, you know, we don't know, we need federal legislation, like, you know, let and then Wild Wild West started where the states had different variations of bills whether or not athletes were allowed to get NIL. So they just let that happen. Now they're doing the opposite where they're saying, well, member schools who don't have state laws that allow some sort of intervention here, schools to work with collectives and these students, it's not fair to them. So because those states don't have laws and some of the states within, you know, like, you know, say it's the ACC or something like that, right? Like Duke versus Syracuse. New York has a bill that potentially would allow this where North Carolina might not. So there's the competing state laws here. Now they're saying that they're going to put their foot down and that they're not going to allow that. And essentially, an even wilder chapter of the wild, wild west, the NCAA is essentially saying that they are the supreme law of the land and that you don't have to follow these state laws. You have to follow NCAA legislation. Let's do this, Mike. You mentioned the point that I think we have to talk about. So what are these laws that are in conflict with the NCAA? You mentioned it, Mike, you're in my home state, yours and my home state. New York just passed a law and it's been there's various stages. So uh, I think it's I think there's six right now. Maybe I'm missing one. But New York and Oklahoma passed a rule that essentially has this language. The NCA shall not prevent a college from, quote, identifying, facilitating, enabling or supporting opportunities for a student athlete to earn compensation for the student's name, image and likeness. Competence are also prohibited. So that's a law that says, again, these are the key words here that the school is allowed to identify, facilitate, enable, or support opportunities for student athletes. Those words in combination, identify, support, facilitate, that basically allows the school to do whatever they want to facilitate NIL deals for student athletes. Now, that's the law. It's not technically the law in New York till the governor signs it in. Oklahoma, it's passed. And I think it's Colorado, Missouri, Texas, Arkansas. I wanted to mention those. It's I think There might be missing one. I think there might be a seventh that, that put some legislation on the books this week, but you know, we, we can only follow this stuff as quickly. We're like, we're like the top people following this stuff in the country. This stuff happens very quickly. Let's just say it's six states. Let's say it's seven states. Seven states are probably going to pass laws to that effect. So why is the NCAA issuing this memo today? It's because of this Oklahoma law, because of the New York law, because of those states that are passing it. Those schools or those states and, those, and the schools in those states now have coverage, or at least in theory did, that these schools can do whatever they want and the NCAA can't punish them for it. So up until today... Schools, as soon as this was signed as law, were under the assumption, okay, NCAA rules, they could do whatever they want, but state law triumphs over a conflict with the NCAA rules and regs. But all of a sudden, the NCAA is saying, not so fast, my friend, and pulling a Lee Corso, and they're saying, we are actually still going to punish you. So I know the law might say that state law is more important, but <laughs> we're still the NCAA and we're going to punish you. I don't think anybody could have predicted that the NCAA would do that. Taryn, you're shaking your head. Is, that, is this par for the course or is this just like insane? It's really bold action. I'm not sure if there's a way that it can be successful because they're they're really taking on all of these different states. And I, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but really to me, Texas is the state that they're directly responding to because this all, in my opinion, stems from the uh, the twelfth man plus Samu. Yeah, uh, Texas A&M. So, and I think that that also leads to something interesting that Ross Dellinger tweeted out today uh, in response to this. If no federal NIL legislation is passed, SEC leaders are exploring a plan to oversee and potentially enforce 
NIL from the conference office if the 12 states that make up the the schools in the league align their laws enough. And so I think that's actually probably where this is headed. And really, to me, if the conferences get together and, and they're like, we can do this on our own, what exactly would you say that the NCAA does around here? That was exactly what I was going to say, Taryn. It's actually funny because I've said this on here that I've predicted that the NCAA as a governing body is going to cease to exist. And this is a fast track to that right now because the NCAA, I don't know if this is coming though from schools, right? This happens a lot where schools are are submitting these kind of Q and A's. These Q and A's come into the NCAA office all the time and they have to address them. So I, I have to imagine that this was coming in. And we actually, funny enough, Taryn, when we had Logan Hughes on the last time, he's out currently in Colorado and Colorado has this law that's already been passed. And there's already been the questions of who do we, it's kind of this game of chicken where do we, do we listen to our state or do we listen to, to the NCAA? So this is what happened. So I could, I could totally see why this Q and a has been posted. It is a bold move. It is kind of a, a, an attack on the state legislatures here, but because I think the difference between this and what I'd referenced before of name, image, and likeness is this has a more direct effect on the NCAA because it's the, it's the conferences and it's the universities that are affected as opposed to the athletes who have to figure it out for themselves. Okay, a couple things. We gotta we gotta parse a couple things out. I think it's all very important. I, I think we have to remember one thing. There is some precedence. And Taryn, this, what do you you know what do you exactly do around here? I think that's important. So then we're lawyers here, right? They teach you in law school how to think about both sides of the argument. Like either the NCA has just like lost their minds, or there is some logical reason to have done this. So are you ready for this? You ready for my devil's advocate theory here? Do it. Okay. This is it. I haven't heard it elsewhere, but I'm I'm happy to bring it up. There are eight states that have passed or eight states that are probably going to pass that have something in the books. I think that's the number. We'll say between six and eight. Now, once upon a time in a world of the pre-Wiki Wiki Wild Wild Wester of July 1st, 2021, California passed fair pay to play in, I think, November, October of 2019. So that's 2019, okay? The end of 2019, pre-COVID, like ancient histories, four years ago. And they basically said they passed a version of modern day NIL. So then, you know, we've done this in the podcast. People can feel feel free to go through the archives. But there was a conversation of like, what, like, what's the NCAA going to do as more and more states start to allow and refuse? And basically, what is what are these NIL laws in states? It, re, it refuses and doesn't allow the NCAA to punish student athletes for accepting compensation. So as we all know, his, the history books have somewhat been written on like the day before July 1st. It was like June 28th, June 29th, whatever it was. The NCAA basically said, you know, what, we're waiving that bylaw. That allows us to punish student athletes for accepting compensation. So that was basically a year and a half from November of 2019. So November 2019, December of 2020, or December of 2019, January 2020, February 2020, all the way until June of 2021. That's how long it took the NCAA to cave. So what happened between November 19 and June of 2021? 20 some odd states passed NIL laws. So it kind of came like the majority rule in the country. But right now, like you only have a handful of states that have passed this facilitation, identifying identification law. I think, Taryn, again, if I'm playing the wearing the hat of the NCA, I think this is a delay tactic. You can either believe, like we said at the top, like the NCA is ready to start the enforcement or they're ready to go. Or this is a lot of the same thing where they're just saying a lot of flowerly language. No one's being punished. They're opening up phantom investigations. They're closing phantom investigations. We don't even know what happens. No one's being punished, but they're delaying the inevitable. They're waiting for more states to catch up. So it becomes the majority rule or most obvious one. They're just waiting for the federal government to kick in. And you might be saying to yourself like, Dan, what, how is this help delay anything? 
as someone that, that speaks to a lot of people, either associated with the schools or associated with the collectives or in this kind of agency space, put yourself in the shoes of an uh, athletic director in the state of New York today. Mike, New York's about to pass their law. The governor's about to sign it in. Let's say you run, I'm going to pick a, a random school. Let's say you run Iona, okay? You just lost Rick Pitino. Maybe you're thinking of getting a little spicy in the NILR. You have the law to protect you, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're, re- you're getting ready to go. You're calling up your NIL lawyers like, okay, we're going to get really aggressive. The New York law is going to protect us. Do you really want to dare the NCAA, like do something that's so obviously in violation of NCAA rules? And you'd be like, NCAA, you can't punish me. I have the New York law at my back. The NCAA is going to punish you and make you try to invalidate their punishment, taking it up through the New York state courts. So if I'm Iona, I'm definitely not going to do that. If I'm, let's make up another school. If I'm my alma mater, Union College, like I'm definitely not doing that. Maybe your alma mater, Mike Syracuse, has the uh, the juice to want to challenge, but like that's really it for New York. And you go down the line, like go to Oklahoma. Like, do you, do you think the Oklahoma Sooners are going to want to do that? Maybe. Like, maybe Alabama is going to do it. But there's a really like finite amount of schools in the Division One ranks that that are going to want to punish, like want to take that route and risk punishment to like die on the sword. But like now these these conservative schools, and you can't blame them. Like they're not going to jump into the fire like feet first and say, okay. The, the, the New York state law is protecting us. We don't even care what the NCAA does. But anyway, I've been on my, my soapbox for a minute, but I think the NCAA has effectively found a way to kick the can and delay the conversation, delay some of these schools from getting aggressive when they otherwise might have felt empowered under state law. I'm tempted to agree, but I think that it's also that they're trying to insert themselves in it before it gets out of hand. So delay, yes, but maybe just kind of slow things down because they can feel this wave of things happening. Schools are not going to sit around, and especially the legislators who went to these schools, are not going to sit around and watch their programs get left behind. Okay, the SEC schools are doing this. All right, the ACC schools are going to start doing it. The ACC schools are doing it. Ohio State sees Clemson doing it. Yeah, they're probably going to push the Ohio legislators to pass something like that. So I think the NCAA is trying to stem the tide a little bit, but I I don't see this as as a winnable thing. Okay, they go after Iona, which is, you know, a, a fairly small fish. They're not going to be able to beat, I don't think, big time SEC school in court. I don't think that they're going to sanction Alabama and say, Alabama, you can't participate in the postseason for any sports if you agree to do this and and somehow win. I, I just don't see that as, as being a reasonable possibility. It's certainly a scare tactic, but it's also, besides the schools itself, it's another scare tactic as it relates to boosters and and collectives. So if a collective and a booster is trying to put their school in the best position, which is why they're, you know, putting money towards the athletic programs, they're also now afraid of having some sort of liability imposed, not necessarily on them, but indirectly on them by their school having some sort of punishment if the NCAA does come down on them. I agree. I think it's it's more of a scare tactic for the small schools like Iona. But if you have a larger school that is willing to go to bat here, then they could they could definitely pursue it in a stronger case than maybe a small school like like Iona. But it's a slower process than we're seeing than I feel NIL was initially. Right. We've got only five states now, now potentially six with New York that have this bill where I don't know if it's as quick of a race to the legislature that. NIL was where all of these bills popped up like one after another, where this type of issue wasn't really being legislated as fast as it could have been. But maybe now it will. 
maybe now that the NCAA did this, it was actually a way for them to put the pressure on the rest of the states who hadn't really had that on the top on the top of their priority, but now they will because they don't want their schools within their state to fall behind. So I'm you think that they other... could be accelerating oh, the clock, Mike? I think they could be because now if a state wasn't really looking at this as something that was worth it for them, where, okay, we can protect our own schools as much as possible, but this might not be the best route. Now I think they might be shifting where this is the best route because we need to protect our state and we need to get fall in line with the rest of the states. Like, let's think about it backwards. If there was a federal law, a federal law that applied to every single school in the country, and the federal law said that the schools could facilitate, identify, support, enable... There's no world where the NCAA would have passed this memo because that rule then applies to every single school. That would be insane for them to do it. But I think if you're the NCAA, you could say there is some competitive balance issue if only New York and Oklahoma and Colorado and like four states can do it. To Mike's point, like if let's say 45 states and no offense to like North Dakota and like Alaska and they're the only ones that didn't pass it, like, you know, that's the majority rule. It would be crazy for the NCAA to say this, but I I get the wisdom behind the NCAA passing it or saying this guidance now. I think they're completely wrong on a legal level. I think if you had to take a bet who would win, like the side that has New York state law on its back or like the NCA, I think you'd put the New York side, whatever the Pat McAfee, Brett Favre odds were, we put them at like minus 2,500. Like we would <laughs> give the New York side a huge edge, but like do right. you want to deal with the optics of like, you know, being the martyr and, and suing the NCA? Do you want to be that one that's flying close to the sun? And, you know, I just asked Miami and Florida, like they got very close to that line. And I don't I don't think the optics look that great for either school from the fallout of the Cavender situation or even, you know, even with the Jaden Rashada situation. So that's the fear. If you're one of these conservative schools, those are the schools that really flew close to the sun. We could talk about the John Ruiz era, which I think is John Ruiz still involved with Miami turn. Mike, does anyone know? Is he like, is he out? I don't think nobody said nobody knows. Yeah, I think they're you know trying to distance themselves somewhat from people that were flying too close to the sun early on. So now I'll give you one other monkey wrench to throw on this. Mike, your local publication over in Syracuse, the Syracuse Courier. Did you see Chris Carlson's article that came out over the weekend? It was an interesting article. It was like, how did this law get passed in the state of New York? Like, how did this happen? So pop quiz. How do you think this law happened, guys? An interested party brought it forward to a uh, legislator that they're close with. Who would be the interested party? Take a uh, guess. Collective? Who benefits from a rule where the schools are allowed to facilitate, enable, support, identify schools? So this Chris Carlson is a reporter up in, in Syracuse. It's a good follow on, on, on social, but basically had a you know sourcing that like Syracuse was behind the New York law. Hofstra was behind the NIL law, like in terms of the lobbying efforts. So the NCAA just passed this NIL memo that basically renders somewhat moot what the schools have fought to do. And I imagine the same similar schools were behind the Oklahoma law, Texas law, all this other stuff. So like, is the NCAA really, do we really think that the NCAA is just going to like all this money that you've spent lobbying to get these laws passed, like these are going to be rendered moot. I think if you're really a betting man, you want you want the smart bet. I think the NCAA is going to wave the white flag as we get more states that pass this. 20, 25. It's the same thing that happened, you know, in the July 1st era of, of college sports. So I don't I don't think the NCAA so, is insane. I think they're just effectively delaying this era. And I think probably doing effect, an effective job at it. You're right. So, Dan, what do you what do you think of what Mike? said that that they might actually end up accelerating the clock whether they're intending to or not accelerating states other states passing this yeah i think you're probably right i, yeah. I think that's exactly what's i you've poked the bear you've 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 essentially poked the bear i mean the other the flip side of that is like why are we fighting to pass a law if it's now rendered moot but like 
I think, you know, in this in this world, we're going to have like a wave of litig- uh, legislation that's passed the same time we had an NIL. Like all of a sudden it's going to be cool and newsworthy to pass an NIL law. Like us nerds, we care about all these different laws that are being passed over the last couple of weeks and months, but like not really newsworthy. But now all of a sudden it's newsworthy. Like if you pass a law, you're, you know, giving the, uh, the proverbial middle finger to the NCA. And there there is some newsworthiness to that. So I think can that's I, right. Can I go one step further? It's your show. It's an- it's uh it's an election year and it's a very politically popular opinion to have to support the student athletes okay um this is not a political show give me uh which presidential candidate is going to be the first to say it we got to put odds out here this is the conduct detrimental results world in casino sportsbook i think uh desantis will say it because he's fairly desperate uh, okay <laughs> no no comment we're not political but you're probably yeah we're not um, yeah Dan, I did see what you're talking about. Sorry, the Syracuse.com article, because because the Syracuse was citing, you know, the loss of Jesse Edwards because he needed more money, and there was there was issues there, and then he ends up leaving. Who went to West Virginia? Who now could could actually leave there too because of what happened at West Virginia. But right. the other thing I was thinking too is it might it might have backfired on the NCAA because their intention might not have been to accelerate the states, but it also could have been a goal to potentially slow down or stall because they know that there's nothing coming out of the federal. There's no federal bill that's coming out to protect them. So if they know the federal, you know, the federal legislature is moving too slow, then this is a way to kind of stall. But I think inadvertently, if that wasn't their goal, then they're going to accelerate the states uh, and then they're going to surpass federal. And I don't know if federal is not going to speed up for anything. So this might have backfired on the NCAA if that was what they actually wanted to do. All of these laws are local too, right? Like Dellinger quotes Ross Bjork, who is the AD at Texas A&M, saying that all of these are, are local standards and we're just keeping up with what's going on around us. So Again, like you see your neighbors doing something and they're not going to get punished for it. And you're trying to compete with your neighbors to win the same same thing at the end of the, the year and also bring in those dollars and activate your alumni base and all of these different things that, that an AD has on their plate. You're not going to tell a, a state legislator that's interested in helping you out, no thanks. It's just not going to happen. Boys, I think this is this is a good, solid episode. We were the first... First to market, Taryn, you had a great quote to Amanda. I saw that. I had a, I, Amanda's a, Christovich will give a shout out to Amanda. Pete Nakos, our guy over at, at On3. I think I, I nailed this, Taryn. You ready for this quote I gave Amanda? A high stakes battle of chicken between the NCA and these schools. Like, listen, this is not legal advice, but I'm just going to give a prediction. I guess we can all have our, our final thoughts here. But the NCA has not enforced a violation that has occurred post July 1st. So the Cavenders were punished for something that happened in June of 2021. The Cavender twins over at Miami. They haven't done it yet. And guys, like what has prevented them from punishing schools? Like nothing, like nothing, nothing has prevented them. They just haven't done it. So either this is the onset of the enforcement era, or this is the same exact load of nothing we've gotten for two years. So we have two years of precedence. Nothing has happened. So I think the first school that violates this, Taryn, to the point that you raised, and Mike, it's a good one. Texas A&M is the school that got issued that like warning for having an in-house collective. You know, I don't think the Texas bill is official yet. Can anyone confirm that? I don't think it's passed yet. Someone can confirm that. But we'll see if and when it passes or I think it's effective July 1st. I think someone mentioned that. But whenever it becomes effective, that's the test case because the Texas A&M is apparently doing something Nancy is unhappy with in terms of running a collective through their kind of fundraising arm, the 12th man. And we'll see if if the NCAA doesn't want to do anything. So you either going to punish this person that stepped out of line or you're not going to do anything. 
And if you don't do anything, then it doesn't really seem like you have any power. So let's see what the NCA does. That's that's the one to look at. They're again signaling for the 20th time that they have the power and they have rules in the books and the rules are going to be enforced, but they still haven't done it. So it doesn't seem yeah. like they have much power until they enforce it. But I, I'm not, I don't think this is the, I don't think this is the watershed moment, but you know, it is what it is. No, I think it's uh, probably a little bit more grandstanding. Uh, you know, all of that staff that they hired, you got to wonder what they're doing, right? They, they hired all of that staff to do these NIL investigations and made a big show of it. And again, there's just nothing that we've seen. And I don't know if that's fear of subsequent litigation or just that they haven't found anything. Taryn, I liked your quote in Amanda Krasovich's article on Front Office Sports too, because you 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 kind of highlighted the quote voluntary membership. Like like they've always talked about schools as being members of the conferences and the NCAA, but like this by like kind of like emphasizing that it's voluntary membership, almost like they're baiting the schools to be like, go ahead, you know, leave leave the conference or whatever. You're creating a system that potentially could have, I don't know, schools that kind of create their own conference or just have a conference in and of itself, try to take over and, and regulate by themselves. They basically challenge them, either change it or it's a voluntary membership. And so I don't know very many institutions that voluntarily give up power. And so the, the change it doesn't seem so likely. And the voluntary membership, the leaving, I think that 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 seems a little bit more likely, especially if if college football continues to trend towards self-governance. I think that's a good place to end it. Boys, thank you for letting me invade the NIL hour. You guys are doing a great job. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Themis Bar Review, top bar prep company in the entire galaxy. If you are using uh, any other form of bar prep, and also I've been realizing we've talked about bar prep so quickly. This is preparation for the bar examination. This is like the most important thing that a lawyer can do. And if you're going to be prepping for the bar, you have to use the top bar preparation company in the entire galaxy that is themis bar review shout out to themis shout out to better edge the uh, social sports betting platform use our promo code conduct for twenty dollars free on sign up between themis and better edge I, I feel like our sponsors really like us i feel like i feel like there might be more sponsors coming guys just just a thought of mine just just i might have some sourcing i might and our platform spotify that gives us the platform to make this uh make this product Mike, can I ask a question? Your little canned ad read. Can we use my canned ad read that I did for you? Can that can that be put in use at all, Mister Behind the Scenes? We'll we'll put it in right here. Right, you're such a sneak. No, it's not going in here now. Okay, got to do some business here. (laughs) Okay, yeah, fantastic job. I want to give a shout out to all of our writers over at ConnectDetrimental.com. A lot of good stuff as of late. And we got the newsletter back up. We got Mike Krepchenko doing the sixty second breakdowns. Those Uh, are great. We're coming back with the Sports Pro, the uh, professional development series. We Stephanie and I are getting up. All of a sudden. The universe has aligned for conduct detrimental. So buy some stock now while you can. Boys, I think we can end it here. Uh, for all of us here at Conduct Detrimental, we will see you on another episode of the NIL Hour. Thanks, everyone. 